Welcome to the Kim B. Davis Show. Here we'll talk to the leaders in technology, culture, business, and the arts. We'll cover politics, advocacy, motherhood, writing, mental health, and mostly we'll focus on hope. Join Kim B. Davis, author, playwright, radio personality, event consultant, professional speaker on the Kim B. Davis Show. Good evening and welcome to the Kim B. Davis Show. I'm your host, Kim B. Davis. And this evening, we have Shanae Watson-Whitaker. She is our political strategist, organizer, and all-around expert on everything politics. Good evening, Shanae. How are you? Good evening, Kimberly. I am tired. <laughs> I'm extremely tired from yesterday, but excited and running on adrenaline. Very good. So listen, I know you are exhausted and there's so much to talk about, but give us an overview of what you saw from the political midterms yesterday for 2022. What I saw yesterday was that women's reproductive health is a top issue for many Americans throughout the country. And they understood what was at stake when the Supreme Court overturned Roe through Jackson v. Women's Health Center. Uh, people in Michigan, they stepped up. They decided to support Proposal 3, which restores Roe in, in Michigan. And uh, they didn't want to go back to 1931 here. They didn't. They didn't want, didn't want to go back to 1972 here. They wanted to go, they wanted to have those protections in place, not just for themselves, but for their, their families as well. So we're here right now, and, and we're very excited about the, the conclusion of the election and, and what's next not just here in Michigan, but across the country. Exactly. And I am so excited for all the different things that I saw. Uh, Governor Gresham Whitmer was reelected. I was relieved to see that along with our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, our Attorney General, Dana Nessel, I thought, wow, we have women leading. And so talk to us, Shanae, what do you think that's going to look like or how is that going to impact 2024? Because I heard a lot of people say that, that women's issues were at the focus. And I know that oftentimes when we talk about politics, as as our governor says, kitchen table issues, you say pocketbook issues, regardless, people want to talk about um, increasing gas prices, rising grocery prices, how much it costs to uh, take out a loan from a bank when your interest rate increases. Talk to us about the perspective of women and how that adds to that conversation. Again, reproductive health is an economic, <laughs> reproductive freedom is, it's tied into that. And people don't want government interfering in what happens to their bodies. People, uh, the, uh, people have spoken here in Michigan and in Kentucky and in Vermont and in California, and they agreed that this is just as important as, as any other issue. And you can't take a right away from people that they've had for a long time and not expect them to respond. So we, we saw what happened last night in, in Michigan, up and down the ballot, folks who are in support of reproductive freedom for all came, uh, they were victorious. And uh, we expect other states to follow what we do here at Michigan, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that people take advantage of that and, and learn from what we've accomplished here in Michigan. Excellent. So I want to ask you really quickly, Shanae, what do you think, because I just learned right before we came on air, 
that um, Warnock is going to have a runoff against Herschel Walker. What 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 are your thoughts on that? And why did that happen? Did you see that as being as close as it was? Yes. <laughs> uh, I believe that it was going to be close because of the the stark contrast in, in both those candidates and even party affiliation. It is quite close in Georgia. So it's it's a, a, a battle. It's a turnout election. It's a base election. So folks will have to go down there and, and support either candidate for me personally, it would be Reverend Warnock and, and hopefully eke out another victory or even go surpass those numbers that he had in, in uh, before. Were you surprised that Stacey Abrams lost to Brian Kemp again? I, I was disappointed. Disappointed that she lost. She's a leader. She's a, a fearless leader for and a role model to many Black women, but not just her. Sheree Beasley, uh, Val Demings in Florida. Yes. Very accomplished <clears throat> Black women who put themselves out there, who ran to tremendous races uh, despite the odds, especially in Florida with the the, popular, the demographic shift, the redistricting aspect of it um, and in North Carolina, which was quite close for most of the night too. Mm -hmm. So Texas and Florida really quickly. So Texas, Beto O'Rourke lost in Texas. And one of the things that I heard from people on the ground there, all the urban cities voted Democrat. It was the smaller communities that voted Republican. And it sounds like it's the same issue in Florida. Although it might be a little bit different because they said Miami-Dade County carried 78% for DeSantis, what do you see, what does this indicate to you um, for the electorate across the board? And then politically, what do you see this thing for DeSantis? Because we're going to talk about DeSantis versus Trump. Well, what happened, another thing, the similarity between Texas and Florida is that they're very gerrymandered towards one political party. So when you're, when you're gerrymandered that much, apathy does start to kick in with those people who are on the other side of, of that political candidate. So that's something that the local parties have to address mm-hmm. and, and really examine and invest in, in those local leaders. Um, what happened with, with DeSantis is again, that gerrymandering, that is, that's what did it. And plus oh, the intimidation tactics that he used before mm-hmm. the election, mm-hmm. uh, making examples of, of, of people who were formerly incarcerated and restricting voting access. So you, that is a form of, of that's fear and And to me, that's a form of voter suppression. Mm-hmm. I agree. Do you hear anything on the ground in terms of lawsuits going back against that? Because I know that there were a few cases that they were highlighting. And the unfortunate reality was these were Black people who were arrested at their homes, who had committed a crime some years ago, had paid their dues to the state, and now, after having been told that they could legally vote, had voted, and now we're told you had committed a crime. That that's again to to me personally, that's a form of voter intimidation. That's a tactic that has been used quite for quite some time uh, uh, against people of color, primarily African American people, 
And that's that's scary. And what happened in Florida. And I also want to talk about the demographic shifts as well. As yes. Too. Um, Miami-Dade is is overwhelmingly Latino. But that Latino is, is, is different from what you would think like a New York City uh, Latino. Uh, you have a, 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 a dominant um, Cuban culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, they're very Republican. Mm-hmm. And they've also been targeted with misinformation and disinformation that goes back to the 20, 2016 election cycle in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, election cycle um, with that misinformation. So there is a lot of soul searching that people have to have. My one concern is once people vote consecutively for a, a certain party, they're calcified, they're very hard to move. So that has to be, that has to be addressed with their local parties there. The same in Texas as well. There are people that have voted Republican in, in the past because of former administrations. I'm not talking about 45, but before that, the Bush administration. So they're very calcified in their in their party loyalty, and that has to be examined. But again, the uh, voter suppression era efforts, gerrymandering, that disproportionately hurts people of color. and. In Florida, they got hit hard bad mm-hmm. as, as well. But Florida was really, really hit hard bad. And, and that's a problem, especially for a black a representation in that state. You bring up a great point about disinformation campaigns. And I want to talk really quick about what we saw in Michigan, because I argue with a lot of people privately about the propositions. There were three proposals on the ballot, proposal one, two, and three. And proposal three was for reproductive access. And I got into these conversations with people who were saying that it was going to do all these different things. And I said, that's not in the language. Where are you getting that from? And they said, but no, it's there. And I'm like, okay, let's go and read the proposal. And when you read the proposal, they're like, but you have to infer. And I'm like, "Mm, not quite. Talk about what it was like to battle disinformation in Michigan. One of the things we had to do here in Michigan was to talk directly to the voters. Once uh, we had conversations with people around Proposal 3, what it was for, uh, who we decided to to um, make ensure and, and center in mm-hmm. when it came to reproductive freedom, people understood. It was having conversations with community leaders, with clergy members, with uh, people of uh, of all different walks of life, from the from the UP on down to Monroe County, of uh, uh, Western Southwestern Michigan, as well as Benton Harbor, um, Battle Creek, Muskegon, uh, Grand Rapids, as well. We had those conversations with people all over the state. And once we had those conversations, people were in favor of proposal three. The what the other side did is what they did. You know, they, they were that's what they that misinformation was um was unfortunate. But at the same time it didn't work. And and people came out and they supported us and it, about fifty five, fifty six percent of the vote here in Michigan and that says a lot that it wasn't confusing and it wasn't extreme. It was common sense. Yes common sense approach. This was the right approach to restoring the rights we had in Michigan for 50 years. That is amazing. And congratulations because you guys did a phenomenal job. Okay. So last question of the evening and we sort of danced around it. So Donald Trump 
had um, put his blessing on several different candidates. Uh, Dr. Oz lost his race to Fetterman. Um, J.D. Vance did win in Ohio. And so I know they're celebrating in Ohio. But across the board, he didn't do as well as what everybody thought. Everybody kept saying there was going to be this red wave. And I heard somebody say today on Twitter, it was a red tinkle. What do you think about that? I think the folks on that side, they have to have some real internal uh, conversations about what direction do they want to go in? Do they want to go back to what was for for four years ago or do they want to move forward? Do they want to take the extreme point of view or do they want to meet people where they are? Um, and, And that's what they have to do. That's a real examination they have to make within the next year or so before people announce if they're going to run for election for president in 2024. So that's what it's going to take conversations and a real internal audit of what what's at stake for them. Again, I'm very excited about what's happening here or here in Michigan and what we've accomplished as as a coalition and I'm hoping and I'm celebrating in this moment and I'm hoping that uh, other states will follow too. Absolutely. Last question. I know I said it was the last question, but this is our last question. What do you see? Do you see Donald Trump running against uh, Ron DeSantis? Well, whatever happens between those two people, they have to, their party has to decide what they want to do, what their next steps are. Uh, and that's not my battle to fight. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just excited about what's going on today and the victory that we had here and what the folks in Michigan have said. They said yes to Proposal 3, yes to, to reproductive rights and reproductive freedom, yes to being the sh- shining light in the Midwest when it comes to uh, bodily autonomy and, and, and women and people making decisions about our bodies without government interference. Excellent way to end our podcast, Shanae. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us an election update. Tell us how we can find you, where we can reach you. Yes, you can find me on Twitter. My my Twitter handle is lafem underscore negrita, N-E-G-R-I-T-A. Thank you. Thank you, Shanae, for being on the Kim B. Davis Show. We know that you'll join us next month for another exciting topic. Thank you again for being on the Kim B. Davis Show. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. You know, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, everywhere on social media. And it's Kimberly Bachelor Davis. Bachelor is spelled B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R. You can see this show on youtube.com forward slash Kimberly Bachelor Davis. You can hear this show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Wisdom. You can learn more about me as an author at KimBDavis.com. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you join us on our next episode. And as always, remember, be magnificent.